I'm a little nervous to be honest. You are why? I don't know. You guys, are we in, you guys we're, are, we're not very good interrogators. I have see, I have some serious. No, I don't. Know. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't even finish the sentence. After serious, it was I have all down serious inquiries. Yeah, We've I'm got beef. Yeah. Hey everybody, it's Jason Ellis and Tony Hawk, Hawk vs. Wolf, greatest podcast of all time in the history of the universe. What, what he said about our podcast, uh, and we have decks that are of the podcast. Signed by the greatest skateboarder <laughs> of all time in the history of the universe, and me. Dang, I was going to go away with that. <laughs> this is uh, the same graphic that we used before, but with gold background, special so it's edition. Better. It's like my teeth, but better. It's number one. I'm and sorry. the diptych, which is uh, two decks, go side by side. Signed by each of us, right there. Black with silver. I love this board so much. Tim Baring art on both of these. Shout out to Tim. And get yourself one of these bad boys immediately. For the holidays. What a gift. So here they are for the holidays, right here. Gold-plated Hawk versus Wolf signed deck. And black and silver diptych available now. Get one today. Uh, you can get it at TonyHawk.com and in the shop right there. There's a little menu, upper right, shop. See both of these. Click add to cart. It'll arrive before holidays and it'll make a good gift. And we hope you give it to someone that has liked and described already. Yeah. Make sure you do that if you haven't. Thank you. Are you looking for a delicious and nutritious snack that packs real protein punch? Don't, don't punch me. I would never do I'm that. Because I'm holding pistachios in my hand. Wait and a minute. they'll fall on the floor. You got to crack into a good source of protein <laughs> with tasty, healthy, wonderful pistachios. Ow. Each one ounce serving of wonderful pistachios contains six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value, mate. Pistachios are known for their protein power, fiber, better for you, unsaturated fats for a combination that will help keep you feeling fuller longer. Check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. Uh, Jamie serious. Thomas is here. Yeah. Hello, everybody. You asked and you have received. Jamie yeah. Thomas. Yeah. Uh, Somebody asked for me? Of course. That's pretty sweet. Yes. Wow, are you insecure? I'm not insecure, but I didn't think that... You don't think people would ask for Jamie Thomas on this show? I don't know. It's, it makes sense. You're pretty, yes, you you're, are a legendary skateboarder, yeah. Jamie. No, no yes, I mean, I, I'm not, and I'm also not THPS fishing. alumni. This, is, this isn't fish me fishing. I'm just saying, I don't know. <laughs> you I sure just, you don't want me to tell you you're awesome? No, I don't. I don't. <laughs> Does it feel good? You feel That's a bit uncomfortable when I tell you I'm feeling kind of uncomfortable. I think you're an amazing I skateboarder. Like you're a pretty cool dude, too. Thanks, Jason. Yeah, you're like ahead of, the, you've always been ahead of it, you know? You've helped create a scene that's like forever. And the hustle. You have the hustle. Now let's get That's into why yes. you suck. <laughs> <laughs> now, now that we got, now that we got, now you know why you're here. make him feel better. He was getting awkward. <laughs> now that we got that out of the way. I mean, we met a long time ago, but I feel like we got to know each other mostly through audio shoes. Mm -hmm. We were on the trips together, 
doing stuff. Those were fun. Yeah, they were. That Europe trip was fun. Yeah. Riley was like five or four. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, on the first one we went to. Yeah, yeah. He was like five. Yeah. Yeah. I remember he had like a skateboard and some rollerblades and it was just like, he was just a little kid just doing whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Just on the road. Yeah. It was cool. What kind of demos did you two do together? Um, skate parks. Yeah. Skate parks. You know, there's in Europe, there were vert ramps and, you know, street courses and whatnot. And, you know, Tony can rip a street course. <laughs> yeah, we we should say that in past tense. If you, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Oh, no, he's yeah, the he's barracks. Got, I'm not a fan. I'm a fan, <laughs> but I think it's I'm a fan. Why do, of, I, why do I set myself up? It's yeah. more like a comedy show yeah, to me. There like, go. It, I but don't it's know. a a for effort. But goddamn, dude, your feet are too big. It's like you can't do. You, when he sets up for stuff, it's like, whoa, look out! <laughs> We're going for <laughs> a fucking. Go, this is a quadruple flip. I see. Setting I up see. for a whopper, you know what I mean? I see your and job. Your job fair. here. Your and job I'm here like, is to wow. humble Tony. It looked like it was about to fly. Setting up for a whopper. You, you see him on Bert. It's like he's all relaxed, and then he does like <laughs> you know crazy stuff with ease, and then he. And then he he comes to a flat bank and like right, rips a kickflip it. and it's like, what the hell was that? <laughs> I don't know. Street Tony got down, lip slide the twelve. Oh, yeah. No, he can do millions of All front right. nose blunts. Like, you name it. He's done it. It's just... Was it Airwalk? It's not pretty. I get That's it. all. Yeah. Airwalk ad, lip slide the 12 at Roosevelt. Huh? Yeah. I That's got served on that. That's a good one. You did got... You got... You, you ate it on that. Yeah. I mean, I made it, but... But you also took a couple. I also took... I, I took it to like... P yeah, roses the ground across is that, rough. and that <laughs> it, that is like the roughest <laughs> asphalt. Yeah, so you get rocks embedded in your hand. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then I went again and got more rocks under those rocks. <laughs> yeah, well, it, was bad. It, it, it paid off. It, it was, paid off. Yeah, yeah. I, I, mean, I remember it. To, Stuart, I remember it to this day. That Stuart followed um, me there, and we did. It. I think the first time we got to hang out was when we were working on the Invisible video at your house in '93. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's that when a, I was at my job as a video editor. Yeah. Yeah. Those were tough times for the Birdman. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. I was kind of in the backseat editing. Like you knew how to work all the equipment. Dave Bergthal was there. Yeah. You know, kind of like directing the video. I didn't really know how to edit a part and I was pretty nervous to be at your house. And, you know, I'd seen you at a couple of contests before then, but not really like hung out or talked. And, um, it was good though. You became human to me that day. <laughs> that was fun. Yeah. Because are, before that, I'm a kid. You're, you know, legendary, iconic skateboarder that I've seen since, you know, my whole life growing up. Um, but we were like in an editing studio for whatever, six hours, you know, that kind of wears off a little bit. And you're kind of like there talking about normal stuff, being normal people. It was cool. Oh, it was super fun. So uh, go, going back to your beginning, I know, I don't know exactly your, your, path, but I know you were mostly started seeing in Alabama. Is that right? My father was a nuclear engineer and he, I was born in Florida. He accepted a job in Alabama when I was like six weeks old. We moved to Alabama. I lived in the country country, like pigs, goats, chickens, like the full country until um, about fourth grade, moved to Atlanta for a year because he accepted a job there for a year. Kind of got introduced to like Van Halen and rock and roll and got out of the sticks for a bit. Um, lived in like the suburbs of Atlanta, like Marietta, and that was really cool. Back to Alabama for a summer. Then my dad um, accepted a job in South Florida, Palm Beach Gardens, and skateboarding was booming, 1987, Bones Brigade, you know, the deal. And everybody at the school had like new Powell boards, and I got into skating. I was like, wow, this is amazing. I saw this guy, my, my brother worked at a marina in Florida, 
and I saw this guy doing 360s and he had long blonde hair, kind of like the Stacy, the epic Stacy video where he's- Freestyle. Freestyle. Yeah. But he was on like a, maybe late 70s, Sim super light. Um, wow. But I didn't really know much about skating, so I didn't know what boards were current or not. And um, I was fascinated by what he was doing. And this is right before we moved in and I got to school and everybody had like, you know, Powell boards. And so I bought this Sim super light off him for like 20 bucks of complete. And started skating at this tennis courts and like, you know, was just really hyped on it. And then um, I moved, you know, we moved to Florida and it, skating was booming. And, you know, I was learning bonuses and learning how to ollie. And there was a kid on my street, had a quarter pipe slash launch ramp. And I was trying to learn rock and rolls and stuff. So it was about first found a skateboard in 84, 85, and then 86, 87, got really into it. Lived in Florida for two years. And then my father got transferred back to Alabama and that was hell. It was basically like living the dream, feeling, oh, feeling were, like I'm in. Are, the, you were, yeah, fully I was committed fully committed skating. in punk rock music, going to the movie theater, and kind of like living the thrashing scene. You know, I saw the Josh Brolin. It was Brolin. like Footloose. Yeah, and I was just super into it. And you know, you like wanted to be Tony Hank. Tony Hank. Tony <laughs> Hanks. Timmy, Timmy Hanks. Yeah. So movie theater on the Friday night, all the, everyone's skating everywhere, and like the buzz was wild. And, and then I moved back to Alabama, and it was like four skaters in the whole town and no one at my school skated. And it was, it was a pretty rough re-entry. Started racing BMX a little bit. Yeah, and, um, I did that. Skating a little, but, and then I was at the BMX track one day and there was all these guys with launch ramps and it was like guys from the other side of town. I was like 12 or 13, didn't have access to the other side of town. Anyway, they were like doing like, you know, hippie twists and judos and stuff off the launch ramp. They were beyond where I had been skating. And so I was like, oh, wow, these guys are not only- Wait, they were BMXers that also skated? No, I was at the BMX track and in the parking lot. Oh, these in guys, the parking lot, Yeah, these guys had a launch ramp set up and they were like legitimately good. The, guy, uh -huh. the guy's name was Chris Go Grogan. And I remember just seeing him and it was like, wow, that guy's like, and he was like 16 or so, a little older. And I was like, wow, there's skaters here. And I met them and then they introduced me to some more guys, got back into skating and then, you know, was back in it and you know, actually progressed faster leaving it for a little bit, like learn kickflips and kind of, you know, progressed pretty quickly. Do you because think it was because it was, it was more inaccessible? So you, you were, you were. I think I had grown, I think I, I also wasn't like a baby anymore. You know, like 12 uh -huh. is kind of a hard time to learn flip tricks and flat ground. It's kind of hard. Mm -hmm. And I was like 13, maybe 14 and kickflips and I'd grown a little bit. Kickflips and stuff were a little bit easier and I was, I, you know, BMX, I'd also done some pretty gnarly jumps and I'd kind of cultivated a little bit of, I don't know, confidence. So when I re-entered skating, I was pretty hungry and also everybody was better than me. And I think I, from a young age, I always wanted to prove myself and I felt competitive. I wanted to catch up, you know? Uh -huh. So I was trying my hardest, like on a daily basis to catch up and be with the guys and they're all older than me. So I- How uh, long did it take you to catch up? I, I think only a couple months. I think I was <laughs> pretty fired up about it all. Uh -huh. And then at that point, I met all the skaters in the surrounding towns. I started traveling around, but lived in Alabama until I was 17 and then moved to Atlanta for the summer and then California, 17. Atlanta on your own? Yeah, I had a friend. I met, I met a friend that skated there, my friend Devin. Um, and I had met a whole crew of guys from Atlanta. So in Alabama, I live in a small town, about 50,000 people. And every weekend we would go to like the surrounding areas. I'd go to Florida, Pensacola, Fort Walton Beach, Panama City Beach. Atlanta, all the small cities in the area and skate with all the different crews. Cause you know, 50,000 people, we probably had seven skaters in our town, maybe 10. And then at my high school, there's only two or three. 
So it was pretty, pretty small. So I, I needed to travel around the Southeast. Went to Atlanta um, to skate in the city. You know, Andy Howe was, you know, like the dude at that point. Yeah. And so Atlanta was like a big city. It's the closest big city to where I grew up. It's about three, three and a half hours away. Um, and I met this crew of skaters there. And one, uh, you know, I befriended uh, a guy named Devin and started kind of going back and forth up to see him and see all their crew. And and then he's like, yeah, you can stay at my house for the summer or whatever. So I moved into his house for the summer, got a telemarketing. What did your parents think of that? I'd quit school and they they pretty much knew <laughs> I was on the pursuit. Um, you know, I was dreaming of California and um, I was in that NSA contest circuit at the time, you know, like on the East Coast, placed in a few contests. So I'd made it to the finals and the finals were in Texas. And this is 1992. What, Houston? Houston. Houston. Yeah, Matt Beach and Andrew. I think Andrew got second. Yeah, and Matt won. Yep. Did yeah. you care about doing well in a contest? You know, I wanted to do whatever I could do to get to California and to have companies know. I feel like me. that was even in those days, that was still the the only path. Right. But right? once you got, I mean, I was filming sponsor me videos like crazy. I was sending. <laughs> this is a crazy story, but I sent sponsor. I sent a sponsor me video to Real Tony Guerrero. Tommy's brother was doing sales yeah. at, at Deluxe, and um. I worked at a skate shop for a little bit in this time period in Alabama. It was like a hobby shop. And um, I, uh, I befriended Tony by buying real. We were like one of the first accounts, like buying real in that area. So we were buying yeah. real boards for the shop. He sent me a few extras for me, but he sent them to my house. And so that felt incredibly special. The first board I got was the Hanging Klansman. The first free skateboard I ever got was the yeah. Jim Thebo Hanging Klansman. Wow. So I was getting the real flow and... I sent them sponsor me video. I think I sent 18 in a 12 month period with no reply to all. No, no, 18. they were they were replying, but it's only Tony the what sales. What would they say? After he would be like, "Yeah, I showed the guys, cool man. Here's a couple more boards." But but it was it was pretty you know excessive. Like I I don't know what my thought process <laughs> was. Yeah. My thought process was just. I don't know. I think I was maybe quantity over quality. You were only sending them to them, though. Only sending them to Why them. Why were you only interested in Because real? I talked to them on the phone, and it was a new brand, and I thought it was cool, and I, I love Tommy and Jim, and I thought that what they had going was cool. Um, but at the same time, I thought, you know, my only chance is to be a part of something new and small. You know, I'm not getting on, like, Powell or whatever, you know, even though we were kind of in, this is 92, Powell's kind of fading. Oh, that was the irony of that is that is that Lance, Tommy, and I all left Powell yeah, to 91. start the firm Real and Birdhouse yeah. under the same distribution. Oh, wow. Um, so we all, we all were making our boards at the same place. We had the same, we were uh, distributed by Blitz. Um, it was just funny how you, you likened that to Powell, where it was like, no, Powell was... Yeah, Powell was kind of done. I guess my point was... It wasn't was, done, but it was just more, we had left. Right. So World Industries and Blind were kind of the cool thing at the time. But, I, you know, I, don't, I also knew that I didn't have the talent at that level. And I was just, I don't know, man. I didn't know what I was doing, but I was just trying to connect with the West Coast and have some sort of connection. So they started giving me boards. And I started traveling around the East Coast to these contests. And I'd placed you know, second or third in a couple of regionals. My point was I qualified for the final in Texas. That was halfway to California. You know, I was like, I'm halfway, <laughs> I'm halfway there. I'm halfway going, there. I'm I might as get well. That. I remember coming here and I got to win an amateur contest. Yeah. I can't turn pro until I win an amateur contest. Totally. They meant so much to me, yeah. every single one of them. So I am. Um, but, but so you, you got to Texas and you're like, I'm halfway there. I'm going to go straight to California from here. I mean, I'd already dreamed that up. You know, I was like, okay. I was like, as soon as I qualified for the Texas, I think I got 
There was a regional qualifier. I think Pete Malenko won it. I got second. Andrew got third. Um, in North Carolina. Oh, crazy! Like, Eastern Burt. Andrew. Yeah. I'm just freaking out. Him being in a contest and really trying because I only know Jamie is like, fuck your contest. Like, yeah. You skate. Like I always. Because I didn't have that choice. And watching you go, man, I don't need to do this. And I'm like, wow, he actually doesn't. That is cool. Like, how free is that? Hey, Jason. Yeah? Nomad started as a Kickstarter project in 2012 with the goal of building ultra-rugged and minimalist tools for the 21st century Nomad. Based in Santa Barbara, California, Nomad makes mobile accessories that not only look good, but are there when you need them most. From iPhone cases to Apple Watch straps to wireless chargers, ultra-durable cables, and even premium wallets, and a passport holders crafted with Horween leather. Nomad uses American leather for their cases and bands that just, look, that just look better the more you use them. Nomad has designed brands for Apple Watches that seemingly go from the ramp to a night out. Nomad offers convenient wireless charging solutions for the home, office, and bedroom with a suite of chargers for whatever mobile devices you use, as well as Apple Watch and AirPods. Nomad is a climate-neutral certified brand. The attention to detail with these products is amazing. Great look and fit for all Apple products. Nomad is and always will be the company that prioritizes design and quality over everything else. Nomad designs all concepts from the ground up rather than white labeling existing products. Check out Nomad at nomadgoods.com slash hawkwolf to see what living the nomad life is all about. That's N-O-M-A-D-G-O-O-D-S dot com slash hawkwolf. Be sure to use the code wolf to save 10% on your first order. When I was like dreaming of Texas, there's this one really big gap in Atlanta that I wanted to do before I left. And it was like the monkey on my back. It was in Buckhead and it was called the Buckhead Gap. And... I went to try it the day before we left, and I wasn't really thinking about the contest, but I tried this gap, and I ended up kicking out first or second try, blew my heel out, incredibly blew it out, like black and blue heel, and the contest is like a week later in Texas, or two weeks later or something. Anyway, we go there, and we have no plan. Like I, I, Around this time, I talked to Jeff Clint. I, I started talking to one of the owners of Real. And um, he's like, yeah, the, the real team will be in Texas. Like, hit them up. They'll let you sleep on the floor or couch or something. Um, and there was three of us, you know, that were, had this plan to go to California. Anyway, we got to Texas, and they weren't there yet. And I had, we had no resources. We had, like, a couple hundred bucks each. <laughs> oh. And so we slept in the bowl at the Houston skate park. <laughs> yeah. and, Sounds um, familiar. It was pretty harsh. It was summertime in Houston. <laughs> wow. It was cold? Yeah. No, it wasn't cold. It was hot and humid. And we're, At night. We're, and it was concrete. Yeah, I mean, Houston in the summer is like, I don't yeah, know what yeah. it'd be like. I don't know what it'd be like Queensland or something. Wait, but yeah. it was the skate park in Houston. Skate park in Houston. No, that was the metal ramps. The metal ramp, but they have a, a concrete bowl as you're walking toward the metal ramp. Oh, okay. So they had the concrete bowl in the street course. Right. Then the vert ramps in the okay. back. So we slept in that bowl. Harsh. And... Um, I didn't. I don't. I don't know what I was thinking. No sleeping pad. No sleeping bag. It was like lay on the concrete with a blanket over top of you. It's like straight up homeless stuff. We had a blanket. I had a blanket, but not a sleeping bag. <laughs> anyway, had a blanket in Houston in the summertime. Yeah, right. Right. and we brought a microwave. We made hot dogs. Wait, the, what, what? Wait, you didn't bring a sleeping bag, but you brought a microwave. How did you find power? What? Yeah, where'd you plug it in? They had an extension cord. And they just, <laughs> Wait, you woke up in the bowl and then you guys prepared hot dogs in the yeah. microwave? Dude, that strap Nobody took me all you. the way to San Francisco. Yeah. 
Yeah, we were homeless in San Francisco making hot dogs. No, you there. went straight from Houston to San Francisco. Yeah, yeah. We stopped with, in with San Diego with two homies. Yeah, Sean Young, who wrote for Antihero for a bit, and oh, yeah. Hurley. A blanket um, and a microwave. A blank and, and all my VHS tapes and my Thrashers. But Those it, were like the essentials. Oh, so you were playing tapes at night? No, I just my VHS tapes were like my most precious <laughs> things. <laughs> you brought them with you? You don't play yeah. it. You don't have my a... precious. <laughs> just yeah. in case I see somebody from real, I can show them all these. No, 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 not no. my sponsor me videos, like the blind video, no, the yeah, Powell like videos, the, oh, videos. Oh, oh, yeah, wait, like the H three Hocus Pocus. Yeah. I, it didn't matter. They were like yeah. when I'm. It was like a <laughs> fire. It was like a fire. And I'm like grabbing my this many thrashers and 10 VHS tapes, my microwave, my telephone. Do you still have those VHS tapes? Oh, yes. <laughs> That's oh, amazing. Yes. Yeah. That is, I, still oh, have, I, don't, so, I still have the wait, microwave though. Did you guys have a, you didn't have a car. I had a car. You had a car. Yeah. That's big. So you had a car, uh, Houston, NSA finals. And then you're like, from here, we're driving to San Francisco. Yeah. Did you have a cooler we don't have for your hot dogs? Wait, what? No, we bought hot dogs as we went and oh, right. ate them as we went, and right. then they're gone. We didn't like. Did you keep ever <laughs> uh, like cut it up and do something different and not eat a hot dog? Like, did you get eggs? Maybe Taco Bell, but right. it would have been like at that level. Right. Taco Bell or hot dogs, like under a few dollars. Got it. So at first, let me reel back. Before we left on this cross country trip, I had an Isuzu iMark, which you probably never heard of that car, but it's kind of like a Tercel, but Isuzu's version, mm. like a small, small four-door sedan. Anyway, the timing belt blew right before we left. We had about $1,500 saved amongst the three of us. No, we had about two grand. The timing belt cost 1500 bucks. Oh. And we all looked at each other and we're like, okay, I, I couldn't afford it on my own. Yeah. So it was like, if we're all going to California, our option is to pitch in and... and make this happen yeah. or we can ditch the California dream for now and go to Texas and come yeah. back. It wasn't an option. We all three pitched in 500 bucks each, fixed the car. Cause it's now like our car <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. and uh, we drove the car out, but now we only have two to three, $300 each when we left. So we had $900 between it, the three of us, obviously gas was cheaper. But if you think about that, going to California, we're going to be spare changing in no time when we get there. Yep. So, Hot dogs and Taco Bell was kind of like the only logical option yep, in, order, in order to just stay alive. And you're young, so you can, you can eat that and For sure. totally skate full energized. For sure. Yeah. Okay, um, do you remember the scene where Alfonso Rawls ollies like a jacuzzi and his board goes in and the lady's yelling at him? He's in a hotel and he's ollieing. <laughs> yeah. He's pushing around the pool. I think it's in like... Um, not the new H Street video in the credits or something, or maybe even in maybe even in Next. Anyway, he's ollieing a jacuzzi, and his board goes in the pool, and this lady comes up to the fence, and she's yelling at him. And um, we that pool is in Texas, and we're sleeping in the bowl, skating all day. There's no shower, so I I saw some people skating. And I was like, Hey, where are you guys staying? And they're like, Oh, we're staying at this hotel. It's pretty crappy or whatever. And they're like, Is there a pool? And they're like, It's pretty gross. I don't think you want to swim in it. We, I went there with a Speedo. <laughs> that was your shower. I went cool there shower. with a Speedo and a bar of soap. Nice. In the Speedo, yeah. Yeah. bar of soap, taking a shower. Yeah. And then I'm seeing the dudes I'm competing with coming out of their doors in the morning yeah. that they're going to be at the contest. Yeah. Anyway, I see the real team at the contest, and I'm a mess. I'm an Alabama kid. I think I had a perm at the time. <laughs> it's, it's pretty rough. Perm. Yeah. And Dang. I didn't wear a shirt, no underwear, pants sagging. It was, it was a pretty rough scene. It's a vibe. Anyway, they were not feeling me whatsoever. Needless to say. They weren't feeling the perm? 
I don't think they were feeling any of it. I was definitely the hometown hero kid showing off. And so needless to say, I didn't get invited back to their hotel to sleep on the floor. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that didn't happen. It was Tony Ferguson, Kelly Did Bird. Did they know that you were the kid Moses. that was getting flowed? I think, and I'll put it this way. I think the guys at Deluxe warned them that there may be this kid at the contest Dude. that hits oh, okay. you up. So it was almost like uh, Dave Meddy was he's the team manager. Like, he's persistent. Yeah. They're like, you're going to see him there for sure. <laughs> and I can imagine this if I were the team now yep. and someone were telling me, like our sales guy being like, hey, just want to give you a heads up. You're going to see this kid. He's pr- overzealous. He's 18 videos in the last month. <laughs> he's pretty amped. He's pretty amped. Anyway. He's talking about microwave they were dogs. They were like, you know, I, I got the vibe real quick that like, you know, I was a bit much. For them, because the dudes were pretty mellow. Kelly Bird, Tony Ferguson, Moses, Dave Meddy. Yeah. Um, a couple other guys were on the trip. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it, it wasn't like an amazing first impression. So you've got no place to stay. You kind of, your mission, I mean, part of it was get on real, and that is really not happening. What do you, what is the team, what is your, you and your two buddies, what are you doing now? So, I skated the contest with a heel bruise and got seventh or whatever, which yeah. was pretty decent. Yeah. Um, Did it prevent you from doing stuff you planned to do? Yeah, I didn't even skate until I absolutely had to. Oh, I see. I, I tried to do, yeah. you know, when you're hurt, you're like, yeah. okay, tell me when I absolutely have to skate. There wasn't much warm up. It was like, I, I got my five or six moves. I'm going to do those and hope they work. I made it through the qualifier and got seventh and felt okay about those results. We went to San Diego. Met, I met Mirko at that contest, and Mirko is a good friend now. Mirko's um, awesome. And he's awesome. But met him, and he was so friendly. He's like, yeah, if you come through San Diego, hit me up. So we came through and stayed with mm-hmm. one of Mirko's buddies, Ty, Ty Gilbert. Anyway, we stayed in San Diego for two days and then went up the um, – and you know what's really strange is when we got to California, I got on vans at that contest, um, at the Houston contest, Tiny was a team manager back then. I don't know if you remember him, but anyway, he was a team manager, and I think I was on Simple before that. But I got on Vans. He's like, "Hey, stop by, stop by, you know, Orange, and stop by the the factory. The factory at the time they're making shoes there." And um, and did he know that you're we'll on this mission shoes. to drive there? Yeah, yeah. He kind of heard my deal, and he was like, he was like, kind of sparked on. Oh wow, that you're motivated. It's hardcore. Yeah, it's hardcore. Yeah. And um, stop by Vans and we'll give you some shoes. The day I got there was the day they had just put the first half cabs in the box. Yeah. They were just oh, fresh wow. off the assembly. I got the first two pairs of half cabs aside from cab. Yeah. Just because of the timing of me yeah. being there, I had two all black pairs of half That's cabs. Huge. And was like, couldn't, didn't even know how big of a deal it was. We drove straight from Vans to Embarcadero. And I, I, <laughs> I, that's some, that, yeah. Dude, for, for context, that's, that's 300 miles, yeah, 200, probably no, 300 seven miles. hours or so. Directly from the shoe, like, we got to try these out yeah. in Embarcadero. Go to yeah. EMB right now. You couldn't have stuffed somewhere it along this other? somewhere along this way. I sprained my ankle on this trip, and I got to Embarcadero, and I was hurt. But I had brand new half cabs on. I was sitting on the three stair, <laughs> and James Kelch comes out to me. He's like, he's like, what are those? It didn't even say his name or nothing, and I didn't know. I, I knew who he was, but yeah. I I said they're they're half cabs. He's like, what? I showed took it off, and he's like, no, nah, man, you got to give me these. He's like, what, what size? What size are you? And he's like, <laughs> he's like, that's my size, and I was like. Yeah, man, sorry, I can't give them to you. Like, this is one of the only things I got. And he's like, no, nah, I, I don't think you understand. You're going to have to come out of those. 
And I was like, what? I was like, no, nah, man, sorry, I can't give them to you. He's like, all right, so you want, you, you're serious about this then? You're going to hold your ground on this? And I said, yeah, I'm going to hold my ground. He's like, no, nah, I'm just messing with you. Dude. <laughs> wow. That Dude. was my first. I thought that was going a different direction. Yeah, that was my absolute <laughs> first impression at Embarcadero. Wow. I just sat down on the three stair, and he walked straight up to me. Because the locals have been known to Oh, no, it got worse. Bullies. It got way worse yeah. for me from that. Him, him saying he was joking was like real life. That was, that was I mean, the I didn't get best thing that happened. I didn't get physically tortured, but emotionally tortured. <laughs> it, was, it was a long road for me for the next year there. Wait, it I helped so. you though. It helped you form into like you became harder from dealing with it or not. It was very humbling. Let's just say that no, I, I, I came. I, I was a big fish. Though I hate that notion that we got hassled so much that like I, yes, th- part of that is true. I just hate it. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? No, you're allowed to hate it, but you can't it, deny yeah, that. I it, know what what doesn't. You know, I'm interested to know how many people do you think that broke? You know, like how oh, many? Oh, of, how all many the of time. us? There was, there was dudes going, coming in from out of town trying to like impress the locals and they just drove them right back. They were, they were getting turned around on a regular basis. Yeah, it's, I feel like vert skating before that era, there was a, like the guys before me in Australia, not everybody, but a lot of them were like mean. Like, oh yeah, me. Like I'm, yes. I'm there. I love skateboarding just as much as you guys. And it's like, what's up with this guy? And I'm like, what? And what's up with your grip tape? I'm like, I spent like four hours on this grip tape. <laughs> I love this grip tape. <laughs> These are checkers inside checkers. Like, do you know how hard it was to do that? And then they grab my board and throw it in the trash can. And I'm like, what did I do? Like, but just, I stayed. I mean, it's like paying your dues, I got right? better. And you know, like when you get better, all those dudes that used to bully you, all of a sudden they want to be but your you, friend. But you were not giving up. I mean, no matter how much you got hassled and be right? You know, it was first off, it was a long trip back to Alabama and I didn't have enough money for it. <laughs> so, 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 wait, so how, how long did broken. you stay? I never went back. That was it. You drove. Yeah. Okay, what about your homies? They event, well, Hurley, one of the dudes, he was from New Hampshire and he had like a good scene in New Hampshire. He moved down to Atlanta for the summer, lived with Sean around Sean and I. And we all, me, Sean Young, and Hurley had the dream of coming out together. Hurley, after about three weeks on the streets, we're on the streets for several months, like three or four months. So where were you sleeping? At Embarcadero, like under the wave. Wow. Yeah. They had an outlet there and the microwave was firing. Really? Yeah. Hot dogs were, hot dogs were happening. That's amazing. Yeah. So where was the outlet? It's underneath the wave. It's on the back of the steps. Oh, it's like, like a janitor or something. It's a janitor. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. To like close the place down for like pressure washing or something. Um, so, and still no sleeping bag, only a blanket from late August all the way. My birthday is October 11th. And my mom asked me what I wanted for my birthday. And I said, a sleeping bag, please. But by this time also I had accumulated so many tickets that my car got, I got a boot and my car got towed because we're, it's, it's parked on market street, you know, like right there. I'm getting ticket every day and I'm like, Oh, throw them away. I parked there just to do the Gons Gap and I got a ticket. Well, that's amazing you did the guns gap. No, but I mean, that was, that was my purpose. Worth a ticket. That was my purpose. Yeah. Wait, you did a barefoot. I did. He did the guns gap barefoot. What yeah. is up with that? Why? Because James Kelch wanted to steal your shoes. No, no, oh. no. No, this is like two years hey, later. Were you running away? 
<laughs> and you only began to, to get away because they wanted no, your pants as well. That's, that's the movie version. That's the movie version. <laughs> Little do you know, guys, that video is Give actually the shoes, him yeah. running into the streets so he doesn't get his pants taken away. Yeah, we lived there for a while. I, I don't know what where we were at in the story. I'm uh, sorry, but, well, you, you said the tickets, not that triggered yeah, me Yeah, no, my well, car got but, towed. But, yeah, my mom like, got me a sleeping bag and got my car out of tow. How did, Those, that was the last real like financial support I got from my family was getting you, the car out of tow. Did you earn the at least acceptance or respect from the locals? Did they know that you were sleeping there? It was there? impossible. It was impossible. They knew yeah. you were sleeping there. Yeah, they knew, they knew how committed I was, but it was still, T-Dog was what you were called back then if you were an out-of-towner or a try-hard T-Dog. So, and if you were a T-Dog that, you know, was having conflict, then they would bark. So when I sometimes would skate up to EMB, they would start barking. The locals would start barking because that's like when you're like the ultimate kook. Wow. So that happened a couple of times. And then I was kind of like, why am I trying? Why am I trying to find the approval of these guys? So by this time, you know, this was happening. I'd been there six months or eight months and I'd had a, you know, I got a place um, we befriended a guy who was skating at him. Uh, Wait, you got, how did you get a place? Yeah, that's a great question. So <laughs> we're sleeping at Embarcadero. This one guy comes every night at 2 or 3 a.m. The lights are on all night on the plaza. The cops do their rounds at about midnight. We get there after midnight because they, the, they kick all the homeless people out at midnight. And then we get there right after they do their rounds. And then you're good until 7 until all the business people come out. At any rate... About two or three every morning, this one dude named John Baker would show up and skate by himself. And um, it was always like, what is this dude doing here? And, and then one time we asked him, you know, we we're sleeping normally. And we just hear the bricks clacking, you know. One night we talked, strike up a conversation with him. And he's like, yeah, my parents pay for a place in the Tenderloin. I go to SF State. Um, he was going to college. He was from uh, Grass Valley, where Sen's from. And... Um, and he's like, yeah, I got a studio apartment in the TL, which is kind of the ghetto. Um, it was like the drug neighborhood at the time. It was really gnarly. It's like down the street from the police station, ironically. Anyway, and he, he's like, what are you guys doing here? We're like, oh, we moved here from the south. You know, like my buddy's from Atlanta. I'm from Alabama. And we're just here, like trying to figure it out. And he goes, oh, well, my parents pay for my rent. You guys can sleep on my floor for 50 bucks a month. You know, no security deposit, anything. If you need a place to stay. Wow. So... You know, uh, one dude's already back. So it's just me and Sean Young. Hurley's already went home to New Hampshire. He had a scene to return to. He's like, screw this. We, Sean and I both got staph infection on the street and got really, really sick before this. And that was the only time- How did you get uh, taken care of? Free clinic. Had to go to a free clinic. And um, basically you just wait in line all day. Did you both like get a line it from, the door. from uh, abrasions or do you just, just got it? I think, I think it's, you do a, uh, obviously, we're not ver- not very good yeah, hygiene. hygiene. We're showering. Is, is like, yes, there's no more pool to shower in my speed. Actually, we did find a country club pool that I did the speedo thing a couple times. But for the most part, you got there's a bathroom on like the 30th floor at the Hyatt, and you can like lock the door and pretty much shower in the sink. But at that point, you couldn't. I you know I didn't really do that very often, and you're, we're skating nonstop, so we got scabs everywhere, yeah. and we're just sleeping outside. So however the case, we both got staph infection. At the same time? At the same time. And it's, really, it's contagious. Oh, yeah. But, <laughs> oh, well, we know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's spread to arms, hands. You know, there's bumps all over my body. Dude. And they're getting bigger by the day. So we go and sit in line all day long at the free clinic to get a penicillin shot. Oh, my God. So, you know, when I get the penicillin shot, I, I talk about this on the Nine Club too, but um, I, 
get to the doctor and he's like, you know, what's your story? And I'm like, oh, I moved out here. I'm trying to make a life in skateboarding. Um, been on the streets for a couple months. And, um, and he's like, well, you know the only way to get off the streets, right? And I was like, get a job? And he's like, no, male prostitution. It's, only, it's the only way out for you. What? And Why? I was That's like, what the doctor said? Yeah, and I was like, I was like, that can't be right. Surely there's another way. I, yeah, surely there's another way. Give me the shot. Was I'm out of here. Was he saying that like was to he encourage you to turn that I, way? I, just, I don't know. Just, I, think he was, I think he was saying like his data shows. His data okay. shows that the only way for young kids wow. to get off the street was prostitution. That's right. So anyway, he gives me the penicillin shot and right around there or before or after I got strep throat as well. So I think I had strep throat and staph at the same time. And so that was the only time where I was like thinking about like just getting a, you know, going home because I was sleeping in my car all day and just shivering, you know, a mess. But once the penicillin shot, I got the penicillin shot and I was feeling better. The optimism started coming back and then that, that, that return home thing kind of drifted out and I was back in the mix. But the whole time you're going through that, the the ultimate goal was I'm going to make a living skating. Yeah. Well, I, I was up for anything. I was up to get a job. I mean, like I just wanted to make a life in skateboarding. But yeah, the ultimate but, dream. But you, okay. Ultimate ge- dream is to become a sponsored skateboarder and a professional. But there was no chance of I'm just gonna go apply for a job at a coffee shop or something. No, I'm down to do that until I can get it going. So okay. I get and that's the next step. I get off the street and you know, we reeling back the staph infection and the free clinic scenario was while we were homeless. John Baker offers us a $50 spot on the floor. Now I can shower regularly. I started putting in applications and I put in an application at a place called Whole Earth Access, which was like a kind of like a Costco warehouse vibe, um, alternative department store in San Francisco. And so I get a job there selling shoes. I'm selling like Nikes and Rockports and Cole Hans. And I'm learning about something too. I was learning about footwear and I was learning about lasts. I was learning about, you know, what shoes fit different people. And I think I was a natural salesman. So I did really well at this shoe job. And I probably only was there for like three to six months. But during this time, Thebo tells me like, you know, actually even while we were homeless, I think Thebo sits me down and it's like, I remember he had a rock and he was like drawing in the dirt. He's like, yeah, you know, this is a really hard conversation for me, but I'm sorry, I don't have a place for you at real. You know, the guy's it's just not a good fit, you know? And he didn't really even need to tell me that, but I appreciate that he did break mm. it down for me. So, so, you know, like Devo's, the there was deal. no question. The real deal. Yeah. There was no question. He's like, we will give you boards until you get something going. And if I can help you get on, you know, you know, black label or anything that you did, I wanted to write for black label. That was my second pick after real. Okay. Um, so he's like, if I can help you in any way, I'm down to help you, but I can definitely give you boards. Um, you can, you can stay on thunder and spitfire less of a commitment, you know, not as much of a team vibe. And so he, they gave me trucks and wheels. Ruben was there at the time. They gave me trucks and wheels and then um, gave me boards for a while. And he's like, you can, you know, sell the boards, sell the wheels, do whatever you got to do to stay alive. And he even, he even invited me over, me and Sean Young over, to take showers and eat a warm meal at his house occasionally, mm-hmm. which was huge. To put it in perspective, no one was killing it in skateboarding at the time in terms of owning a company or even being a pro skater. I mean, maybe a, a little bit. So your dream was lofty, but also to have people giving you stuff is it, it speaks more about them as well because it does. No one was really doing he had, well. He had nothing to gain by yeah, giving me boards. Exactly. That's really what it comes right. down to. <clears throat> he was purely helping me on yep. my path. 
you know, he knew and, and your passion. Yeah, and that's what he would say. He would like be like, "It's clear, it's clear that you have the passion to make it, and you're determined. And I know this isn't the end for you, but I just am telling you, you know, the reality here." That really helped me. And then also, what also helped me was the abuse that I got at Embarcadero just showed me that I'm trying too hard to fit in. So I retracted from that scene and I started shooting photos with Bryce Knights and hanging out with Morford and those guys and staying out in the avenues and, and kind of exploring the city outside of the scene. And I started filming with Brian Young and we were filming for the Spitfire video and I started filming for the Invisible video. Um, I got on a small company for, called Experience for like less than a year, turned pro for them and it kind of was quick. Um, and then Laban saw this video I was making for Black Label and invited me to ride for Invisible and Invisible was through Blockhead. Yeah. And so shortly and after- And they were my neighbor. Yeah. And <laughs> so, Fulbrook. exactly. Jason. Yeah. I'm sorry, I got to pause this episode Why? for a second to give you guys a very important discount code. So listen up. Head to tryfume.com and use code HVW to save 10% off when you get the journey pack today. Fume is not a vape. It's a non-electronic device designed to transform your negative habits. Instead of pods filled with potentially harmful chemicals like a vape, Fume uses cores infused with plants like peppermint and cinnamon for delicious natural flavors. It's really fun to play with. Your fingers will always have something to do. The easiest way to stop a bad habit is to switch to a positive one, and Fume is designed perfectly to do just that. They have thousands of five-star reviews from people just like you who've successfully switched when other solutions just didn't work. Head to tryfume.com and use the code HVW to save 10% off when you get your journey pack today, mate. The journey pack comes with three unique flavors. The new version 2 Fume to help kickstart your positive habits. That's T-R-Y-F-U-M.com and use code HVW to save an additional 10% off on your order today. Yeah, do it. Go. Do it. I dare you. Late 93, I moved to San Diego to be closer to Invisible. And Invisible was right next to Transworld. And I started, you know, making connections with the guys in San Diego. But that's kind of the trajectory of my story. Yeah, I basically got small sponsors and just tried to make the most of it. I never heard those gritty details. Um, and that is, that's a lot. Yeah, you know, looking back on it, you know, what you said earlier, Jason, is like it helped form me. It was like I was being... I was going through the trials and tribulations to become who I would be. Right. And the fact that I didn't give up and I pushed through and I had even small success throughout that time period kept me going and kept encouraging me. Yep. And it really made me who I would be. Yep. And then I would lean on that resilience for the rest of my career. Right, because you know it's in there. Yeah, I know it's in there. And I know that no matter how bad things get, it will never get that bad. Right. Again, right. you know, and so I, I feel like it was, it was really like as weird as it is, it was like the best case scenario. It didn't seem like it at the time, but yeah, well, I mean, we all, we all experienced <laughs> yours is extreme, his is pretty extreme too. Mine was more just in the sense of same bullying, not fitting in, yeah, you know, being told it's never going to work or you don't do it right. Um, but that thread is something for sure that's carried all of us through. And it, I guess there is a part of me too that it is, I hate to say it, but somewhat thankful that I had to go through those trials and tribulations just to, to get to where you are and to have appreciation and the fortitude. Cause now it's like, nothing's going to stop you. 
Yeah, I think once you can break through that, it, it gave me a whole new realm of confidence. And when I started getting photos in the mag, despite that hate or despite those obstacles or despite that difficulty on entering the scene. But if I were to look back and think about it, and if I, if I were where I am now and some kid came in with the same trajectory, it would be such a turnoff. And I would have to sit them down and say the same thing. And I have done that. You mm -hmm. know, I've had hometown heroes from all over the world, you know, say, I'm going to ride for zero and be like, I'm coming and I'm making this happen, hell or high water. And I got to be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, like you, there's a few steps, there's a, there's a lot to, to kind of analyze here and, and try and figure out how to read the room. You know, I wasn't reading the room. Like, right. you know, at Embarcadero, I was in. just coming in. I'm yeah. all in the, I all eat the guns every day for like 50 days because I thought I was training for something. And they're, <laughs> and they're barking at me as I'm riding, either riding away or whatever, because, and one day they're like, man, are you ever going to do a trick? You're just going to keep Ollie in it. And um, I went 80 it one day. And then someone was like, man, I heard you 180. That's pretty dope. And then I started trying tricks over it. And what did you do after the 180? I switched 180 off the curb. You did? Off the three block, yeah. Because I just jumped the hell off. <laughs> <laughs> I think the first one I I'd kind of jumped off, and then I was like, I think I could do this again. So I did 180. That's amazing, because there's no time for that. Yeah, there's not a lot of time. So it sounds like you've always like been able to jump bigger stuff, but it seemed like when you started your own company, you all of a sudden became this madman like where the things that you would jump and chain like it was bigger than it was like way more serious to me like all of a sudden i remember watching a video and going jesus okay like this is a he's got a he's got a lot more commitment than pretty much everybody to start doing this was that like orchestrated like you were like this is my company so now i need to bring because you were already a little older, or do you think you were in your prime? No, I was, I was young still. So okay. just to reel back a little bit, little kid, I remember the first time really being excited about something, and this you know, sounds pretty country or whatever, but jumping out of trees yeah. was the first time I had the exhilarating feeling of, wow, this is really fun. Yeah. And then I was doing it with some buddies. I'm like six years old, seven yeah. years old, jumping out of trees into the grass and doing a little stuntman roll. Yeah. And... I'm finding myself going higher and higher in the tree. Yeah. And I then I'm developing an ability to tap one foot and go over a shoulder and I'm just a little kid. Yeah. And so everyone else stopped like at head high for a six or seven year old and I kept going until I realized that I couldn't jump down anymore without some forward momentum. So then I started jumping off the roofs of houses and stuff. I started jumping off high things and I'm, I'm really intrigued by it and, I'm, and I really enjoy it. How long did that go? Until 12 or 13, until so I started years skating. years and years yeah. of jumping off roofs stuff. with no idea about skateboarding. And, and it would, I wouldn't do it all the time. I wouldn't be like constantly searching for roofs. But if I saw something that I thought I could jump, and it was kind of like, you know, you're skateboarding, you see something. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I could probably, you know, jump this sidewalk into the grass. I would jump off an eight-foot high roof or a 10-foot high roof into the grass. And I guess when I started skating and jump ramps were a thing, I was really down for jump ramps all day, all night. And then when acid drops and riding off high drops started coming into the play in the late 80s, it's like 89. Mm -hmm. I'm riding off high drops and a, a lot of the guys that I was with were done at four feet. Yeah. And I'm still going five, six, seven feet and I'm yeah. really enjoying it. Yeah. And so I've basically been developing and nurturing this, um, I don't know, enthusiasm for jumping off stuff. Yeah. And so 
and your body is so conditioned, conditioned for, the for it. And, and for whatever reason, I have, you know, we all have different bodies and we find what it's useful for yeah. and what it's good for. And then when I started, you know, skating stairs and jumping gaps in the early 90s, I realized that I was hungrier for it than everyone else. And yeah. it was because I was either conditioned or I had a mind for it and I knew it was possible. That's a superhero so, origin story. So locally, right. locally, I started jumping gaps in Alabama, all the parking lot gaps from parking lot to parking lot. And, and there, <laughs> there was curbs in front of most of the gaps. So in their rough ground and all those different circumstances, but yeah. I jumped every gap in town and then I'm going to the next town and I'm jumping every gap and I'm only ollieing or 180ing kind of at this point. It's really simple yeah. and basic. But they're they're getting pretty they're still big. Big, yeah. yeah, they're big. I mean, in the the gap I blew my heel on in '92 on the way to California was I don't know seven feet high. Did you ever, did you go, I went you back go, in '93 yeah, and did it. Yeah, I knew it. Yeah. And when? So I came to California for a year, and in '93, Drake Jones and I drove across. Um, our first road trip, my first road trip after being in California, same car. So did you spend the holidays there too? Like you didn't go home? I went home once. My sister got married in 93. So I was in, I was in California for a year and a half before I went back. Wow. In the fall of 93, I, someone must've got me a ticket or something. So I flew home to Alabama for the first time. I remember I had an invisible hat on in this like wedding photo. So I know that I rode for Invisible, so it's late. I like how that's the gauge. Late, late 93. Yeah. Um, and that was the first time I'd seen my parents. You know, I'm 18, almost 19 at the time. Um, but later, I think it was the summer of 93, maybe. I'm not sure the time frame exactly, but Drake Jones and I did a road trip. Um, actually, no, it was, yeah, it was summer of 93. Anyway, we drove back. We drove to across the East Coast or across the United States, started off in New York and then drove all the way south to Atlanta, Alabama. And then I drove back. Were you making some money then? Yeah, it was like 500 bucks a month. And I don't know how I paid for that trip. I don't really remember. Maybe Drake and I pitched in. Okay. Um, so in 93, I get to Atlanta and like my first order of business is I'm going back. You know, like that <laughs> yeah. really needs to happen. So I go to the Gap. And I, I ollie the gap, and you know we're homie filming. How it. much I think easier he my was butt it? Side. I had a lot more confidence. I'd been in California for a little bit. Right. I, I still took like seven or eight tries though, but I landed on every single one. I knew not to kick out. The gap is big enough. It was pretty big, and there was like a. Wait, it was, why did you know not to kick out? Because you know he learned gonna, a lesson. Well, I blew my heel a year and a half before. Do you use that technique still to this day? Like don't. You can't kick out because that's the one that hurts the most. Oh wait, well, yeah, it's way worse. So it's a little bit like motocross for a big gap. Like oh, for sure. <laughs> no matter how bad yeah. it gets, you got to land on the bike yeah. first. Yeah. Wow. And sometimes the mind says kick out, and yeah. that's and and I've done that, and most of the time, I mean, most of my gnarliest injuries have been from kickouts. Yeah. Yeah, it's bad. So, so sometimes gap, you take off and you're like, ah, oh, shit, it's a little bit of a bad angle, but still commit. If, if, well, I mean, there's a time where you know that committing, you know, if, you're, if your feet aren't right or you're going to banana peel and hit yourself in the back of the head, you got to know when to kick out. Right. I've been in some really, like, you know, maybe in the peak of my career, I could kick out and feel tough enough to take whatever came my way. Yeah. But at this age, yeah, I'm definitely not kicking out anything over a 10 stair. I can't kick out or it hurts way, way but worse. But you can still jump a 10 stair. Yeah. Have you seen his footage? How old are you? 49. Dude. He's but that's probably it. Going. I don't know how much more I could do more than a 10 stair. I think it's like head high is probably do you, do you a good like barometer. Do you like cross train or do any other stuff to stay in shape for that kind of stuff? Yeah, I train three days a week and yoga three days a week. Okay. That's kind of my 
yeah. regimen. I take Sundays off. When you jump a gap that's so big, like what's the name of that ridiculous thing that you did that makes no sense to human beings? Leap, Leap of, faith. of faith. Yeah. You, when you make it or you don't make it, that one hurts, right? Well, that specific gap, I didn't go that fast because there was nothing to clear and I wanted to make sure I landed on it. Because sometimes when you go really, really fast and you kick out, it, it, it can hurt even more uh-huh. and, it's, and it seems more like dangerous. Yeah. So I went moderate speed because there wasn't much to clear. All I had to do was go over the rail. But because I went slower, the board drops off my feet and I land on the board still. Like we said, you got to land on it. Yeah. I landed on it, but it still hurt. I drove into the ground, do hurt you- my hip. Do you? I've, I've watched that a bunch of times. Um, do you see it now and go, oh, if I just did this? I mean, I saw it the next day. The next day, yeah. Like, oh, I could have made. Yeah, but like, the next, like a year later, I blew my tore my ACL and blew my knee out, and then was in knee recovery for the next five years with knee injuries going back and forth between my knees. So I always had dreams and visions of going back, and thought I knew it was I knew it was possible. Yeah. No one had done anything that big yet. Jaws wasn't on the scene. Mm-hmm. You know, he was probably ten at that time, <laughs> or, or not alive. Yeah, no, he, I think he was. <laughs> I, we got a sponsor me video from Jaws. I think when he was twelve or something. And for zero, um, I think it might have been Ennis. I was doing okay. a clothing brand, Ennis, at the time, and um, and he sent us a sponsor me video, um, which is it's a small brand, but it was with Matt Hensley. But um, I was on that. Yeah, and um. Anyway, uh, Jaws, you know, could have done it. Sheckler could have done it. You know, Jace or whoever the dude who did the Miami version of the Leap of Faith, he could have done it. So if you were to, time, if you had gone back to it, would you have grabbed again? No, I wouldn't have grabbed. I would have gone faster. It's Got it's it. totally doable. Yeah. But at the same time, when you get to that height, when you're above twelve feet, it could be one day you can make it, and it's just if you can endure the tries, you could get lucky and yep. make it third try, first mm-hmm. try, or you know. For me, first try normally doesn't happen because my body's too rigid. So it's almost like I need to land on it a few in order my body to be loose enough. You know when you, people get in a car crash, sure. the drunk person doesn't die because they're the most limber? Yeah. Um, I feel like big jumps are kind of like that. The first one, I'm really rigid and I'm trying to control everything. And then once I land on it, I like this, this uh, anxiety leaves me. Yeah. And I know like, oh, this isn't that bad. It's almost like getting in a fight. And after the first punch, you're like, oh, I got yeah. this. So it's kind of, you know, like after the first try and you land on it, you're like, oh, this is like, this is doable. Let me just breathe, sure, you know, right. calm down a bit. And so I think that those big gaps, I could, you could go there multiple times and not make it, or you could go there and get lucky. Yeah. Um, I always had visions of going back, but, you know, I, like I said, I had a string of injuries after that. And I was just. How did you feel about us putting that in the game? I thought it was cool. I mean, you know, <laughs> I was so hyped on it. You know, to have something that I tried make it to the level that it's going to be created in that, you know, yeah. like form to, you know, talk about committing yourself. So when we started developing the game, Jamie was all about it. Like yeah. he started playing it, giving feedback to Neversoft right away. I mean, he was one of the few that really got into it. Yeah. And then he started scoring among the absolute highest. THPS players. Oh, okay. Yeah. There's a little bit of a story there. I, I tore my ACL right when the game was first developed, right when the first beta test came out. I get it. I was on the couch. Yeah. And so I couldn't skate. But you can and, video game skate. 
Yeah, I can Close video enough. game skate. And yeah. I was, you know, I loved video games as a kid, and Tony was into video games too. We would nerd out about that a little bit in the early Tony Hawk days, but I'm sorry, THPS days. I got to separate it from you, but <laughs> it's all right. Um, I'm used to it. Anyway, um, I was really into the game and I thought it was really good, but then there were some cheesy elements to it that seemed really corny, and I really cared about it. Yep. And maybe this would be a good time. Like, I, I talked about this on, in some other interviews, but I was the last guy to sign up because I was so nervous of selling out. Yeah. And it was the first well, thing. Well, actually, Costin uh, held out on the first one. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you guys were the you guys are the outliers for sure. For sure. I think I was the 11th guy but you stayed on, in. on the first game. Yeah. Yeah. I'd gotten, I, Tony had reached out and a couple other people had reached out to me. And it, I didn't know, you know, what to expect. And it kind of felt, I was like, oh, this is going to be like X Games or this is going to be oh, something okay. like cheesy that's yeah. not done well and doesn't yeah. make skateboarding look good. But then you saw it. No, I, all of the best dudes were in it. And when I heard the list, I was like, I can't not be in that list. Right. I was like, you know, once Mullen, Muska, you know, Kareem, Rodney, it was like, okay, if you don't do this, you are saying that you're, you're like not of this caliber. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, that that is like strength in numbers. I just need to, I'll work it out. But then you But played, you're one of the few that actually played it. That's, yeah, that's but when point. I played it, I was like, phew, I'm so glad I made that choice because <laughs> this it. game is epic and Got I love it. it. And I was all in. And so, yeah, I was giving feedback and like finding, you know, bugs and like, you know, where you go through a wall at the end of, you know, finding routes to get the most points on the warehouse level. Yeah. I was really excited about it and really interested in it. And the guys at Neversoft, the, the gamers, were just so stoked that one of the guys in the game was, yeah. was fired up about it. He was it the first were. one that was featured in the game to break a million points uh, on. Because you got really, run, but yeah. I get it. If you're hurt, yeah, that's like the that's the time that some, once again going back to like getting picked on in Bacadero, like to me. Being hurt, like one time I was hurt and the X Games was on and I was on the couch hurt watching people do their, their contest rides at X Games. And I, I don't think, I, like I recall that like it was yesterday, it burnt. It burnt so hard mm -hmm. that I was like, oh my God, when I get back, I'm going to go so hard. I'm going to be back in that. I'm going to destroy, you know what I mean? Like, and that's only, be it was only because I couldn't go skateboard right now watching it. And it was such a triggering effect. And I remember thinking, this is, this is good. Like yeah. this, because I did come back with some, with some fire. You were in I the was first X Games, right? Yeah. Yeah, Rhode Island. Yeah, because you ollied yeah, yeah, yeah. over... I grinded the rail and you grind the rail, but yeah. Did you all the over the thing? Oh, I can't remember. No, I remember you grind the rail. Yeah. yeah, I grind the rail and I got knocked out. Um, jumping one of the like, you know, the mini mega the first like quarter to flat. To oh kicker. yeah, it, there was I could not get enough speed for it. Yeah, it was terrible. I I did a Japan and hung up, deck checked, and yep. knocked myself out. Um, but the X Games, I I know I knew then weren't for me. It felt really off for me. Hell well, yeah, it, the announcers and stuff. Like I'm year, a Verkine. First, I remember oh, the that, announcers. That, that street course. What's the blonde was, guy with the um, just the cheesiest? Like here we are back um, in the yeah, X I mean, Games. They, you know, they, they, he was the worst. They had some growing pains for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the the street course was they they wanted to make it all look. I don't even know what they it was extreme. Just, 
Extreme, yeah. <laughs> it was called the Extreme Games. It was Extreme Games, <laughs> but but the it was like covered in sand. Yeah, because right? the, the beach was blowing it in. It so it was covered in sand, extreme. and they just painted over the sand. It was like grip tape. What? So the ground for the street course was straight up grip tape. Yeah. So you did not want to fall. Yeah, at all. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it was not. Yeah, they was, run a giant event and don't know how to you know, yeah, allow right. skateboarding it, it to happen. Like, it felt like just the most awkward never-ending commercial yeah. is what it felt like. Yeah. And and they did it. I did an interview, a little bio, you know, and it had some of my story in it, um, some of the things we just talked about, because at that point it was, I was, I was only been in California for three years at that point. Okay. You know? So I had freshly made it out of the slums, you know, and was just starting to come onto the scene. So you know how they do like the little side stories? Yeah. So that was my side story. And growing up, my father didn't, like a lot of dads didn't understand skateboarding and didn't understand my decision to quit school and move to California. And this is only a few years after that has happened. And so they did an interview with me and I was talking about the challenges between my dad and I and the, and the you know, kind of difficulties in that relationship. Yeah. And it was still fresh. Yeah. And I was being vulnerable, probably too vulnerable. Yep, for then them. They, they curated a piece. Oh, yeah. They and it was the, like, yeah, it, was it was the terrible. ultimate, like, a dad abandonment story yeah. and like it was it was they took things out of context and, and did not show it to you it just ran they didn't show it to me uh, they showed it to me like like an hour before it was live or yeah. whatever and my family and all my friends saw it and it was so gnarly and i was like that and the whole uh extreme course and all the announcing and just everything i was like this is not for me i do not yeah. belong here yeah um so yeah, that was my last. It's time. unfortunate that that was your first experience because yeah, it was, there was there were all kinds of terrible missteps, especially with editing and coverage and things like that. Um, but how they sort of found their way way later, mm-hmm. where Took I think like till ninety nine or so, right? Where yeah. you would have enjoyed being part of yeah. it, you know what I mean? But but then you get, I mean, to an extent, yeah. maybe in a best trick or something. I don't yeah. know, but I'm just saying like that other way. And there were plenty of other people that felt the same way and were like, yeah. I'm not doing this again. I'm out of here. But X Games was right before Europe. So we went to X Games, Ed Templeton and I went to X Games and then we did a, finished our little uh, East Coast tour. Then we went over to Europe and I was able to go to Munster and those contests and those felt so rad. They had full stadiums and full people. But yeah, and they the, were, they were the one run, in England. Yeah, uh, yeah, Northampton. Northampton, yeah. So they were felt like they were run by skateboarders. So I was like, oh, these contests are yeah, fun. Those were like sick, you're with yeah. your peers and like this is an epic time versus X Games five, four, three, two, one, action. Like yeah, it was yeah. gnarly. I was just like, <laughs> and you're the only one there. And it's like, they have the same Wayne's World soundtrack playing over and over again at the first one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A Dreamweaver, that song I heard a million times at that X yeah. Games. And when I still hear Dreamweaver anywhere in the world, <laughs> I think of 95 X Games. <laughs> I had fun doing those B3 contests. I don't know why. I think maybe it was just like living a bit like a rock star, like yeah, I think it, flying it, to a new city. That was when it started to, they started to figure out what was working too. Yeah. And, and I mean, I was on, I had to go as as sort of a uh, representative of skaters to these oh, meetings yeah. twice a year to be like, look, you can't do this. This is not the type of music we listen to. The coverage is not, right. You can't, don't turn the camera when someone goes off a ramp. <laughs> yeah. You know, all the stuff sucks. <laughs> well, you did a lot for it straightening, was hard. You it was, did a lot for straightening it out. Oh, oh thank you. It, yeah. it was it was a battle. Yeah. It was I a bet. battle. And then like a couple guys in other sports were like, the prize money should be a million dollars for our sport. Yeah, I totally agree. And 
and the, I'll never forget the dude ESPN was like, you're a far cry from a million dollars. Yeah. yeah. So around that time though, I was filming for Welcome to Hell, the Toy Machine video. And I was discovering how hard, how far I could push myself for video. And so the same year I'm filming for Welcome to Hell, I go to X Games and that's where I was like, okay, contests are things to- This is a crossroads. They're, they're a thing to enjoy myself. If it's not an enjoyable you know, yeah. experience, I'm no longer ever going to a contest and I'm focusing on this because I'm feeling like I starting, I'm starting to like make some headway in this video part lane. You know, yeah. Dave Bergthold and I edited the video with you in 93. Mm -hmm. So this is 95, 96. Welcome to Hell came out in 96. And by this time I'm, I'm in a, I'm behind the scenes editing, learning how to edit on an edit suite. And that is so enjoyable of a process to me. Mm. So I can focus on one trick and practice it on all the rails in town that are, cause we didn't mm. have skate parks at the time. So you gotta go to a five stair and then find a seven stair and then find a nine stair and then go to the 12 or the 13 or whatever. That's what it was like. Yeah. And it was like, all right, this weekend I'm going here or we're going here, here and here. And then we're gonna end up at the 12 and hope it works out. And so I just did one trick at a time and broke things down into bite-sized chunks and pushed myself as far as I could for one trick, then to the next trick, then to the next trick. And, then, and that's how video parts are made now. And that's how yeah. a lot of my friends make parts and that's how most people make parts. But I was just discovering that that is how it was done or that's how I wanted to do it. Yeah. And then contests, like you were saying, didn't really make sense to me after no, that. Because why would I, had, they? I had an avenue for me to be able to communicate with the fan or the customer. And really, I didn't even care about the customers or the fans or anybody. I was just trying to figure out what I had to contribute to skateboarding. And so back to that jumping gaps, I realized that I was willing to put myself through a little more emotional torture than everyone else in order to, yeah. in order to physically risk it. And that, that was evident in 92 when I was making sponsor me videos, you know, in my local scene. But then I was able, it kind of went dormant as I was trying to make my way in the California scene. And then once I started filming for those videos and started discovering, first, really, I discovered handrails. And when I discovered that I could take, I could learn tricks on handrails and take them pretty far pretty quickly because a 10 stair rail, rail didn't feel a whole lot different if you do it enough than a 12, a 13, or a 15. And once you kind of get that, you know, I started getting that formula down for me to learn tricks and push myself. I could replicate it and rail tricks were a lot easier on you than jumping gaps because you have like, you're taking the escalator. Okay. It's a lot easier on your body. You're saying impact wise. Impact wise. Right. To, to grind. But also you got to be quick on your, because I've noticed the first time I ever saw Rick McCrank skate street and I was just sitting there high being a loser and he screwed up and just ran down it. And I was like, if I could do that, uh, yeah. I could try anything. There's just no way. Cause I'm not just, good at no running way. down it. You don't do the rundown. So what do you do? I die when I, when, <laughs> when my board's not there, all the times in my history, I end up on my, I end up okay. getting knocked out or something. Which makes it so much gnarlier. Cause when he did that, I was like, oh, I don't even feel like your trick is that dangerous anymore. Yeah. After seeing you walk down yeah. with ease. He did it with ease, Tony. Like I was like, you. I've boss. seen, I've seen a few people bail like that and be completely shocked that they got away with it though. Okay. Do you know what I mean? But, I don't I've think I've also seen people do that normally. Like if they're trying like a nolly front crook, they walk on the rail almost every try until they make it. And that's crazy. That's not, yeah. I mean, but again, my, my skateboarding was very basic and I pushed it as far as I could. The biggest rail I ever tried was on a corner. So I had to take off backwards, like back behind the rail. And I'm not, I'm it's a called vert outside, dude. Outside corner pocket. Is that what it's called? Yeah, that's hard. Yeah, but I didn't Rails realize higher. how hard that was. Yeah. I was just like, if somebody's done it, I can do it. It's pretty much a gap to rail. 
Yeah, I straight up landed and put my wheel under the rail and the first thing that I put on the rail on the way down was my face. Oh. Like I remember falling and trying to put my hand out and it missed the rails and my head like, dong, and then my legs went over. That was the last time I ever, I was like, right, don't do that. Don't ever do that again. I think the key to it though is like anything, you start off with a five stair, seven yeah. stair, eight stair, nine stair, and you kind of keep progressing. I mean, that's yeah. what- Yeah, it's not too late, Jason. Right, good point. Maybe you got that's... it. I saw your man ramp footage. You're, you're getting ready. <laughs> oh, man, that's unfortunate <laughs> that you saw that. <laughs> but, hey, congratulations on the 540. Hey. Epic. Thanks, Loved dude. It. Yeah, that, man, that meant, yeah, that changed me. Yeah. yeah. I don't think I've cried on a trick, so I was, I was feeling for you. I yeah, was like, the yeah. fact that if you shed a tear, that means a lot. Yeah, it meant, it still does. It yeah. means so much uh, to yeah. me. Yeah. Have you had any... Uh, I don't want to say milestones, but anything as you got older, it's like, I want closure on this. I mean, I'm in it with you, man. I'm, first off, I'm waiting to see this last part, and I'm really excited about that. Oh, it's pretty here. cool. I saw it. <laughs> I don't want to see it on a phone, but when's okay. it go up? <laughs> Thank you. Thank when does it that. go up? What's that? When I don't know. I, I just finished it last little, like I, last night. I don't know. Okay. Gonna, I saw the I finished Instagram last night post. And I, I handed it to Thrasher, and whenever they decide to put okay. it. Okay, so I'm working on my last part. Oh, you I are. Do, okay. I do want closure. I will be 50 in October next year. So you feel like you're working on your last video? Yes, part. absolutely. And everyone's like, and you are pushing it in every, the same every, way that like Andrew's pushing it. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I can't frontside flip down 12. I don't, and I don't mean like in the same. I'm just saying. I'm trying to do my very best the in very this best, body yeah. I have. It's not, yes. it's not like. No, I'm not going to the local ditch trying to figure out if I okay. can just tail That's slide right. or no comply tail <laughs> That's slide. That's what I was getting at. Yeah. I'm trying to do 50 for 50 in the streets. Oh, so sick. I, the last few years I did the skate your age at skate parks, yep. 47, 48, 49. And the 49 one was my last one in a skate park. And then I'm trying to do 50 for 50 in the streets, trying to pick an epic and song. And you're in it now. I'm in it now. I'm 24 tricks in. Wow. I've been there for a little while though. I had I had some travel and I had some things come up and I had a few failed tricks that didn't work out and a few missions. What's been the what's been the uh, most challenging physical aspect of all that? The thing that is hardest for me is to carve out the time to have myself emotionally and physically present in order to stay in it long enough to see things through. I feel like as I've gotten older, I have a, a window of opportunity for each trick when all of a sudden it becomes really, really not important anymore. Like when I was younger, oh, I see. when I yeah. was younger, yeah. every single trick was the most important thing yes. in the world to me. Yep. And now it's the most important thing in the world for about 15 to 30 minutes. Yep. And after that, I start really going, what is this worth? What is the value of this? What else should I <laughs> yeah. be doing with I, my time? I, I give up where on else a few tricks I, uh, yeah. on, this, on this part where, where I'm just like, no, Where else I should can't. I be? I said you that know, at least seven times on that, fi that 540 attempt yeah. that day. Where but I was the, like, what are you doing? He's talking about doing? actually letting it go. No, but yeah. the thing that you're talking about is exactly there. What happened is everyone around you didn't let it go. Yes. And, and so you, you are no longer skating for Jason. Yeah. You owe it to all these people that you love. Man, you're so right because it was like 
like I'm not even really good friends with Sandro Diaz, but I could tell that he was like super invested. Like we became good friends from that day. Yeah. Like I look at him in a different way now. Well, like, there's a connection for something that was pivotal. And he was like, you've got that, dude. Yeah. Like just stay in it. And I was like, he's not lying. Like no, he's, he's not, not making it up like good one, Dallas. Like you're going to get knocked out. But <laughs> yeah. he he was like, I yeah, that see crew, That crew is not going to just throw you at, at, right. or put Bucky, you at risk. Like Bucky would be like, dude, don't do that. <laughs> you're yeah. going to die. But he was like, dude, you've got that. And I, that definitely made a big difference. Yeah. So you had you had enough inspiration and motivation to start spinning them, but you needed that crew yep. to roll away. Yep. And so that's a little bit about what I'm like too, but I will try a trick. And if I get to a certain point and it hasn't happened, either self-doubt or the trick becomes very clear what it's actually worth in the grand scheme of life. And it gets so small that my motivation just... It, Kind of like drains. You won't even, you, you won't even bring you joy to make no, it. No, it drains point. out yeah. of my body. Yeah. yeah. And then Man. all of a sudden, when the will's gone, I look at everybody and I'm like, I'm done. I hug my friends and I'm like, thank you so very much for being here for me. I do not have this today. I'm so sorry. And I usually get in my car as fast as I can from there because I don't want to continue torturing myself, yeah. acting like I got it when I know that I don't have it. So yeah. if there was one thing that was the toughest, it's having that resilience in one session enough to see the trick through. And here's another thing that happens that's really hard for me to deal with. When I get really close, sometimes I visualize the trick happening and I almost get the satisfaction that it did happen. Yeah. And then I no <laughs> yeah. longer have the motivation to make it happen. Dang, that's visualized. Yeah. And and then I I or if I oh here's another one that I that I I this is a this is a guilty pleasure. <laughs> I am excited to make the trick and there's one person that I want to tell and share about that I made it when I think the trick is about to happen. I imagining what it's going to be like texting them after I'm done. And then I've gotten ahead of myself and I'm, and then I lose focus oh, on actually what it. I'm doing. Yeah. And then the trick becomes really difficult or hard. And then I'm so, so emotionally devastated that I took that guilty pleasure yeah. and went down the road of <laughs> what <laughs> it was going to be like. I did, I did that. I, I rolled away on one and then whipped out of the on the flat. And it was the first one where I, I'm like, not only did I see it, I started rolling away. And I remember, because he's my closest friend if I make a 540 friend, it's freaking Tony Hall, mm -hmm. first of all. But, and also he knows how much I want that. Like he's always been around for me not making it. So when I rolled away from that one, I was like, he is going to shit. Because yeah. I didn't and think I, did. I could do it. But, it, but I did kind of get a little ahead of myself because yeah. the next two were off because I'd kind of, I'd like, I've already made it. And then I, I like by the, the, the second one that, I've, that I screwed up, I was like, dude, Get your head back in the yeah. game. Like now you're just posing them again. Yeah. Because you're it living. Turned, it's like premature satisfaction. Yeah, yeah, for sure yeah. that happens. And, and that happens to me regularly. And I, it, these are all like weird, like mental games. So if I were to outline what is the most challenging for me, it's keeping my head in the game of the trick. Yeah. And, and then I realize what has to happen then whenever I start to get in a slump or I, I get into that. I try and go over my trick list or go over some ideas that I have and I go to the easy ones that are going to be really enjoyable. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, the fun needs to get back into this. Yep. So yeah. I need to go have fun with friends. And once I get a couple of those, then I start building that confidence and that momentum and then I'm kind of back doing it again. So yep. that's kind of my cycle. But I mean, the clock's ticking. I'm, I got 10, mo 11 months. And but you feel physically ready for it. Physically is not the problem. 
I don't that's feel a physical okay. problem. That, I mean, that I definitely think, is the I, issue for us. So. I, think, <laughs> I think diet, training, and yoga, my system that I have for my body, mm. physically, I'm there. Yeah. Everything's good. But I have to pace myself. I, I don't skate two days in a row. Right. So I did this. I took on this challenge. It was a terrible idea. Um, 49 for 49. I, I was like, all right, I did the last one at Poods. And I, that's, my, that's my home park. And I love skating at Poods. So I did 48 for 48 at Poods, Encinitas Skate Park. Yeah. And um, I was like, I want to go travel to some park. Like, what's the best park everyone says now? So everyone's talking about Lot 49 in uh, Miami. Mm-hmm. And um, everyone's like, oh, yeah, Lot's the best park. Lot's the best park. So I'm like, okay, I'm flying to Miami for the weekend. I'm not going to film it in one day like I have on these previous ones. Like one day I went to Cab's. I went to Cabs and I went to Poods. Did skated the mini ramp with him. Okay, and then I go to Poods. Oh, I think you're saying you're gonna do all all the tricks at in Miami. I am. Oh, so you are. At 48, I went to Cabs House. Okay, and then I went to Poods, and I broke it up into those two sessions, I and see. that was fun and uh-huh. it was good. This one, I'm thinking, all right, I'm going to go to Miami, but I made the mistake of I've never skated this park before. And even though there's hubbas and rails and stairs and all the same kind of obstacles, they are different, and they're not my go-to place. And then I'm in this different environment, and apparently Zero and myself are popular with the Latino culture. So there's a ton of Latino skaters that are really excited to see me there, and they're coming up to me at Poods. I don't get bothered at all. No one cares who I am, and they I've never been asked for a photo or an autograph at Poods barely ever. Oh, wow. <laughs> but at the skate park in Miami, at this Miami skate park, it's like pretty, it's happening Fans. pretty consistently. Yeah. And I'm like getting into a groove of a trick and I'm getting asked for a photo and I'm, I'm kind of short circuiting all over the place. Yeah. It's a new environment. I'm, I'm thinking I got it. And I try to do 15 tricks, 15 to 20 tricks per day for three days. Oh and I was God, absolutely dude. beat. And it was really, really tough physically. But when I come home, I'm skating two days a week and I'm going out trying to film for my video part mm. two days a week. And there's training and yoga, lots of restoration in between. So that system I can work with. You know, three days in a row or going on trips now is really tough. Yeah, yeah I feel you. Yeah, it's tough. So that's kind of where I'm at in that video part zone. I, I, um, I have a song that I want to use and if I can get the rights to it, I better show up for it because the song's really good and it'll be... Are you looking at the calendar and, and, and uh, like amortizing, okay, I need Absolutely. to get this. You are. I've been doing that. <laughs> I know, I've been doing I that, that, but that feels, if I have yeah. a tough month, I'm like, okay, I got to just up. went from two, yeah. just went from, you know, two tricks a month to three tricks a month real yeah. quick. And so, but then I'm thinking to myself, okay, if I could get on a trip like Barcelona, you know, you can get five tricks in 10 days in Barcelona a lot easier than I could in San Diego. You know, freaking mad. So that's so. And the reason I say it's my last part is because this is torturous. That's how I felt. That's exactly (laughs) it. Is what happened to me was I was working on this part before I got hurt. Yeah. And then as I got back to a level of skating that I could shoot video, and I started to shoot a couple tricks. I don't. I don't have this in me anymore. I can't do this. I can't see a future of doing this. Yeah. And then that's when I knew it was the last time. Yeah. I mean, I feel exactly. I mean, my, well, my situation is, is I realize how selfish and how obsessive yes. and how crazy it makes me. Yeah. I'm dreaming about it nonstop. And it, and it bleeds into your personal life. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, there's friction with my wife and I'm coming up with crazy ideas. Like somebody sent me a photo of a baby hubba on the East Coast somewhere. Yeah. And, and I'm like, I got to fly there. Gotta get, this gotta baby go get hubba. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, it be, makes me a crazy person. Yep. And I go to the baby hubba and it didn't work for any of the tricks I thought it would. <laughs> and I battled one trick for three days and la- went home three days later with a sketchy make that I didn't even, didn't even make it to 25 tricks. And so I just, 
I'm like, yeah, it's that's, maddening. that's not a good idea. It's I madness. can't put that pressure on myself yeah. for one. And my wife and I have three teenagers, which is a wild ride. Yeah. And I need to be back there with her. Yeah. And so now I'm for the next three or four months, I'm keeping local missions and trying to, you know, strategize a couple of days a week missions with the zero. I, I feel the all those exact emotions. But was, I know, I know when someone's like, no, never say never. Yeah, right. It's your last part. I'm like, no, it's my last part. Yeah, same. I can't put yep. myself yep. and all the yep. people in my life, I can't put them through this more. I want closure. And, and that's if God helps me, if I stay healthy and I'm, I'm able to deliver, you know, I don't even know that I am. I'm just going to give it my best. You, you are, you will. I hope you're if, I, if I got this damn thing done with, after my broken leg, and congratulations on the, I mean, dude, you're a serious I inspiration. It. Like I, I sent you a message like when you were first getting back over the second surgery. You know, like I was just like, man, thank you for keep doing what you do because oh, you. it is a huge inspiration to myself and the rest of us. You were the first person to send me a congratulations electronically about the 900. You know that? Really? Yeah. Wow. You hear that? People? Like I went, I, I went. Back to my hotel that night, and I got an email from him. Like, heard you made nine hundred. Congrats! I know, I know how how long you've chased that. So, that's awesome, man. I, didn't I know appreciate. That. I appreciate, I appreciate all it. the history. And yeah, I hope you your kids commitment out there. to skating is unparalleled. Um, and you're always you're you're always above board, literally. <laughs> Make you. the most of it, kids. Because when you get to like fifty, you see his game plan. Like, does that not sound hectic to you and when you're young and you can just like eat taco bell and sleep on the curb you should really do as much of that as you can because sooner or later because at some point not, you have teenagers and you're yeah. trying to hit the hub on the east coast yeah, yeah. and it doesn't Dude, add i up. had no idea that 20 to 30 is such a golden time right, right. You know, when people like are in their mid twenties and they're talking to me about something, I'm like, dude, you are in your absolute prime because yeah. you're mature enough to make, you know, good decisions and you're strong enough, confident enough, and your body is not going to be in better shape than it yeah. is now. It's like such a golden time, yeah. you know, and I don't know, but I, 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 I didn't that, know it that I was I in love it. that you're going through this, you know, at this kind of with me, with us at the same time and feeling all the same, even though we're different disciplines. Yeah, different styles. Um, I think the the intention is exactly the same. Yeah, and by no means am I saying my body is easy breezy and I'm all good. I'm just saying that I feel like my body is along for the ride. My mind and my emotional state. You can get to this one. You can get to the end of this one. I think so. Yeah. I mean, if you know, whatever. I, you can. obviously things can happen all the time, yeah. but I feel like my my self preservation is pretty on point too. I'm not trying things when I don't feel yeah. up for it. You know, that was that was all my injuries in my youth where like my ego was leading the way. It's careless. Yeah. Oh, same. Or just thinking like, I have this I got because, it. yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. I can't give up or, you know, whatever. But, we fucked around and found out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very, very true. Yeah, well, Jamie, did. thanks for coming. Um, it's always good to see you. I appreciate all, everything you've done. Your support of our foundation through the years as well. Um, is, is Dude, it is forgotten. my absolute pleasure. Thank you for inviting me to be in the game. Thanks for paving the way. Um, yeah, man, I, I've always looked up to you and admired all that you've done. And um, it's a, a pleasure to you know, know you. And yeah, thanks for having me on the show. Oh, I appreciate it, of course. Jamie Thomas, everyone. Like and describe.